though the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420, WBSN presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Foster. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz, broadcasting live on WBSM and also on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. If you want to see what's going on in the Spooky studio, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the Spooky TV tab, and you can see what's happening. And you can also chat with the people in the chat room, but i got to say, the chat room's probably going to be kind of lonely tonight. Some of our chat room regulars are out in the field tonight first. Uh, with our big annual Bridgewater Triangle show. Uh, but Moniz, I'm looking in the chat room here, uh, thanks to our new dual split-screen monitors. Whoa, <laughs> technology. And uh, now I can actually Whoa, see... yard sales. <laughs> yeah, thank God for yard sales. I can see that uh, we still got a pretty good amount of people in there. So Yeah, we do. Some newcomers. I want to say hi to Schmoopy. Know who that is. And I uh, want to say hi to uh, everybody that's in there. I see Rowena. I see, uh, let's see, John's in there. Greg's in there. All kinds of people are in there. So, uh, hello to all of us, and uh, don't worry, Greg, we'll send your wife home safely. Maybe. I don't know. After what happens to some of these investigations, uh, I can't guarantee anything. But uh, this is our annual Bridgewater Triangle show. For those of you who are new to the program, this is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. And here we are, just a few days away from Halloween. This is our prime season. This is our our Christmas, if you will. And tonight we're going to be doing our annual Bridgewater Triangle show, which we usually do you know, in the warmer weather, we've done it in the spring, we've done it in the summer. I think we've even done it in December one time. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> this is where we send teams out into the mysterious paranormal vortex known as the Bridgewater Triangle. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, we will get into a lot of what the triangle is all about this year uh, in, in this show. But I also want to take a step back and I want to kind of look at some of these Bridgewater Triangle stories and the idea of the triangle itself and put them in their folklore perspective, put them in their storytelling narrative, and, and take them kind of uh, away from being our regional ghosts, uh, from our, being our Bridgewater Triangle ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot sightings, all these strange things that happen in the Bridgewater Triangle, and uh, kind of look at the, the overall meta picture of what's going on. And Chris Balzano is going to join us. He's the show's content director and also a noted author researcher and all-around swell guy he's going to be joining us to i don't want to say dissect and and pull apart some of these stories but we're going to kind of put them in their place you know we, we want to really get inside the bridgewater triangle separate the wheat from the chaff copyright aaron kadju <laughs> when i say inside the bridgewater triangle but uh we're going to get really inside the story and now uh, we've got paranormal teams and investigators located in various spots throughout the bridgewater triangle we'll be checking in with them during the course of the night they're out there conducting a formal paranormal investigation to see if they can actually get any of these spirits riled up. And I know that it's it's hard to say at any given time when you can have paranormal activity happen, but we've had pretty good success over the years when we send people out into the triangle, having them come back and say, it may not have translated well to Collins over the radio, but we had things going on. So uh, we'll see what's happening with all of them in just a few minutes. But I do want to take a step back. Now, we weren't on the air last week here on WBSM and on the Spooky TV Airwaves. But we did have a new episode. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, we had a great, great interview with Nick Redfern, myself and Chris, 
uh, interviewed Nick Redfern about a lot of his work, including The Real Men in Black, his new book, The World's Weirdest Places, and a variety of other topics. And it's definitely a must listen because we, we did the same thing that we're doing tonight with some of the things that Nick reports on. We, we kind of stepped outside the actual reports themselves and looked at the overall big picture. And it was just great to have Nick Redfern's mind as part of Spooky South Coast. I mean, the guy is one of the foremost researchers into all things weird. And even though it doesn't always come out in his work, because a lot of times he's writing very generally, uh, he does do a great job of, you know, uh, I don't want to say deconstructing like we're hesitant to say tonight, but he does a good job of, of not losing sight of the fact that, you know, some of these stories that we're experiencing now may have had a different form in previous incantations. So, yeah, it's the old telephone game when it comes to some of these legends. Well, and, and not only that, but he, he's willing to take them for what they're worth, too. So, uh, you know, it's not just the UFO sighting. It's, you know, what is it? What does the UFO sighting have to do with the cryptid sighting have to do with the ghost experience? You know, he's willing to, to connect all the dots like that. So it was a great discussion. But uh, we were at a Legend Trips event last Saturday night at the Fearing Tavern. And uh, I just want to cover this really quickly. First of all, <laughs> we put a new event on sale this week. Uh, Dead, of, <laughs> Dead of Winter 2013 at the Lizzie Boyd and Bed and Breakfast. And it sold out in pre-sale. It, we, we had 25 spots available. 24 spots sold out in the first, like, eight hours that the tickets were on sale. How fast? Yeah, exactly. Now I know what, like, Justin Bieber feels like when he sells out concerts in a matter of hours. So we uh, we sold 24 out of the 25 spots, and then the 25th spot was taken today. So it's now completely sold out. Uh, but if you would like to partake in a Lizzie Borden adventure this winter, uh, do us a favor. In- email us info at legendtrips.com and let us know that you would be interested because we may put together a Friday night event on uh, February 22nd, if there's enough interest. Even though it's hard to do them on back-to-back nights, let me tell you. Back-to-back weeks was hard enough. But uh, we are because we didn't make it to public sale, uh, we're, we're going to open up an extra night if there's interest. So, And that's, that's even a tentative date. We have to check with Leanne still. Yeah. It all just depends on if there's interest in more people going. So uh, we, will, we will definitely see what happens in that regard. We don't want to keep people from being able to go, but we also don't want to... Uh, you know, put together an event if it's only going to be four or five people that want to make it that night. So info at legendtrips.com. And also, if you've ever gone to any of our events, send us, you know, some feedback. We sent out an email this week asking for your feedback with some questions. Take a minute, fill that out, send it back so we can know how to make these legend trips better. But while we were on this event last Saturday night uh, at the Fearing Tavern and the other buildings of the Wareham Historical Society, Jeff Belanger, who's been at this for like 15 years now, caught his first ever EVP. And for Jeff to come at you and tell you, you know, I caught an EVP, you know that it's, it's not mistaken. And uh, so let me give it a little bit of a setup. This EVP was recorded by Jeff in the old Methodist meeting house with the first group of the night. The tones that you'll hear in the background are a compilation of the 13 Spiricom tones first used by the Metascience Foundation back in the late 1970s and early 1980s. They were mixed by Jeremy Winterroud and played on a speaker system inside the meeting house during the audio experiment. About two seconds into the recording, you hear a female voice whisper, It's me. This was discovered immediately after we recorded the clip. This experiment was conducted several times during the evening, but only this recording contained the voice. So here we are. We're going to play it. I'll play it once, and then we will play it again. There you have it. You hear the spirit calm tones, and then a little bit of a whisper say, It's me. So we'll play it one more time. 
So that, that was pretty cool. Especially when the meeting house... Pretty you know, clear, too. Yeah, the meeting house hasn't had a lot of activity when we investigated there previously, but uh, I think doing the seances and the table tipping is what kind of helped charge up some of the energy in there that night. So uh, if you want to find out more about Legend Trips events, you can go to legendtrips.com, and if you click on the events tab and go to the um, Haunted History Night 2012 listing there, you can find that EVP for yourself if you want to hear it again, so... Definitely recommend checking that out. And some people have actually heard other things uh, after that, too. So uh, why don't you take that and see if you can decipher it, EVP experts. So there we go. All right, well, let's get right into our discussion tonight about the Bridgewater Triangle. And let's bring in our good friend, our colleague, our cohort, our brother-in-arms, the one, the only content director, and what what did I used to call him? An analytical folklorist. And that's the role that we're going to put him in tonight because Chris Balzano is joining us. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. How are you? And I guess tonight it would be uh, your master of all social media. I'm here uh, uh, with my Twitter open. I mean, with a Spooky South Coast Twitter, with a Facebook open, trying to filter as much of this information into the live show. So I am a man uh, of all media today. I even sent out a tout earlier, which was what? No smoke signals. I I don't think they would reach all the way to uh, to our audience tonight <laughs> from here. Well, we we should note too that uh, through a hurricane, I no, 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 right? No, no, no. Exactly. I mean, that's part of what's interesting about tonight is you know that Hurricane Sandy. She's already knocking on your door down there, and uh, you know she's coming up this way in the next couple of days. And uh, a lot of people, when we talked about this on on Facebook and on Twitter, were suggesting the idea that maybe the fact that the storm is coming and that the air seems a little bit more charged, it might help increase the possibility of activity tonight. Well, I think what wasn't last year uh, also interrupted in some way by a hurricane. And so last year was one of the strongest years for evidence as well. So there might be something to be said for that. Right. And the other thing is, uh, as you and I have talked about off the air, is we've never done this episode of the show this close to Halloween. And that could have an impact, too, because, they, you know, they say that this is the time of year when the veil between this world and the other becomes a little bit thinner. And if that's the case, then maybe that would lend itself, you know, because paranormal investigators, we don't really get out there and investigate enough this close to Halloween. We're too busy going to Halloween parties and dressing up. <laughs> and doing events, right? You know, it's, it's an anniversary in a, in a lot of ways for me because um, Halloween, actual Halloween, was the first time I ever went to the Bridgewater Triangle when I investigated Rehoboth. And this is my... 10 year anniversary on this exact night, I believe, uh, the first time I went to um, to the Freetown State Forest to investigate. So, so I'm with you with it. With you getting kind of more stuff the uh, the closer you are to those those big dates on the uh, on the calendars. And I, I just looking at the people that we have out in the field tonight. I mean, we've got some some serious, uh, legitimate experienced investigators this year and and usually we open the door up to anybody i mean we're fine if you're a first-time investigator and you want to go out there you know we're just looking for anybody that has an experience in in whatever possible way that you can and if you've had an experience in the bridgewater triangle that you want to share with us feel free to call in at any time during the night 508-996-0500-1877-996-1420 if you want to call in toll free you can also email us spooky crew at spooky com. Or share your thoughts in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. But just to give you a rundown of uh, who we have and where, we have uh, the Massachusetts Paranormal Research Group, headed by Bob St. Andre. They're in the, at the Palmer River Burial Ground in Rehoboth. And uh, then we have at Profile Rock, we have our EVP expert, Mike Markowitz, along with uh, investigator Jason Lorifus. They're in Profile Rock. They were going to go to the Freetown State Forest, but they were moved along by the authorities. Then uh, on the, we have two different groups stationed in different parts of the Hockamock Swamp. We have Whaling City Ghosts and Century Paranormal. 
they're out of Providence, Rhode Island. Whaling City Ghosts, of course, is out of New Bedford here. Uh, they're in the Hockamock. And also we have a group of uh, independent investigators led by Mark Colacusis and Dave Francis, uh, as well as Kira Emily. She's out there with them and a few other people. They're also uh, out at the Hockamock Swamp in a different location. Uh, they're actually uh, out there in the... Um, at the bridge, uh, let me think if I can find the actual bridge that they're at because I can't remember it right now. I'm actually looking it up on the computer right here. The messages <laughs> that we've been sending back and forth. Comfort, Comfort bridge, bridge in West Bridgewater. So uh, we, we have uh, all these people out there, and they're all pretty much, you know, they're in hot spots. So there's a right. good chance that things are going to happen. Not only that, the two people who are out in uh, the two different groups that are out in in, uh, in the Hawkmont, they, they could be right on top of each other, and, and it wouldn't make any difference because those are two groups that go about things dramatically different. Um, and so uh, they can be in the same place and take two different approaches and get two very different things. Well, a lot of them are just getting settled in, so we're going to wait a little bit before we start calling them. Uh, I know some of them were just setting up shop as we were doing our, our check-throughs. Uh, prior to the show going on the air. So let's talk a little bit about the Bridgewater Triangle, Chris. And I I always ask you to do this in a nutshell, but for the new listeners, and we have a lot of them, thank you all for tuning into the show for the first time. Uh, The uh, Literally, literally hundreds of thousands of people uh, over the last few weeks have joined into the program. So thank you for that. Wow. Oh, it's amazing. And uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly who we owe money to for (laughs) making this happen. But uh, for the benefit of all these new listeners, why don't you kind of give them, you know, a thumbnail perspective of what the Bridgewater Triangle is all about? Yeah, the the Bridgewater Triangle uh, is an area located in southeastern Massachusetts, uh, stretching into Rhode Island, depending on how you're defining it. Um, Definitely geographically uh, into into Rhode Island. Um, That has been historically... Uh, dating, you know, all the way back to uh, pre-colonial times through modern times, um, an area where more paranormal and odd activity happens, it would seem, than most other places in the United States, if not the world. Uh, originally documented by Lauren Coleman in the late 70s and kind of officially ushered in uh, in 1983 with Mysterious America, it's kind of been this uh, <clears throat> this place where uh, anything that can't happen in the paranormal will happen there. Um, and so many people uh, over the course of years, especially you know in modern times in the past 20, 25 years, um, especially since Coleman's book, have uh, independently contacted paranormal investigators or written things or, or just lived through these things without realizing that there was a name to them. Uh, the, the, the power of the emotion of the triangle is that, is that, uh, is that moving. Um, until, you know, people pretty much started to document uh, and kind of rejuvenate Coleman's idea. And until now, it's, you know, it's pretty much a, a buzzword, especially in Massachusetts, especially in the Northeast. Uh, people know about the triangle, and they're starting to see, oh, wait a minute, those experiences I had were in the triangle. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a way for us to kind of section off an area of the country, um, put kind of a, put the whole thing under a microscope and say, wait a minute, you know, can this much stuff really happen in one area? And more importantly, why is it happening and what does it mean? And I, I think that it's important to note that uh, when we're looking at the idea of the Bridgewater Triangle, I mean, these stories, as much as we've had a lot of reports pour in since this big paranormal boom has started around the premiere of Ghost Hunter, say, in 2004, or even this somewhat of a spiritual awakening that's happened since September 11, 2001, 
it's important to note that a lot of these stories were coming before that. I mean, we've got stories going back into colonial times, but a, a lot of these more recent accounts, we got a lot of them from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, before it was actually fashionable to talk about this stuff. Right. So where someone might email me this week about something, they're talking about an experience that they had in the 70s, or they're talking about an experience they had in their childhood. Um, and so, you know, we now have a platform to talk about these things. We now have where to kind of define, or at least kind of start to define them. People are finding that information. They're, they're doing Google searches because they've, you know, with the, with the, the light, the, the spotlight on the paranormal, they can find say, huh, remember when, I, remember when that happened to me? And then they're, they're hitting the internet and they're finding, wait a minute, there's a name for this, which is oddly enough kind of how I... Um, how I got my initial initiation into the into the triangle itself. So, well, and of course, you know, Lauren Coleman coined the term, and and researchers such as yourself and Chris Pittman picked up that mantle from him uh, after that. But it really seems like the the Bridgewater Triangle has taken on a life of its own. I mean, I can remember first reading about it when we were getting pre- preparing to do this show, when we were starting to research the paranormal in the area, in preparations for the first ever spooky South Coast, and. Uh, I don't remember there being a lot of these talks of other triangles in other places, but now they're popping up everywhere. Right. I mean, there was uh, the, the Bennington Triangle in Vermont. Uh, there was the Bridgewater Triangle. There were starting to become whispers of the Tampa Triangle. Um, but it seems like this idea that areas themselves seem to um, seem to generate and kind of collect and bring, like, bring in paranormal things has gained a, a lot of momentum in the past couple of years. But now... We we talked about this a little bit last night, but it's it's interesting to to ponder the idea that you know, do there seem to be so many reports coming out of the Bridgewater Triangle because the triangle itself is so strong, or is it because we've been able to slap a, a neat little label on it all? Uh, and if it wasn't for the whole idea of the Bridgewater Triangle, would we talk about how haunted or how how mysterious this area is? Yeah, and I think um, I think it's multi layered. I think that a lot of people, um, when searching for the paranormal in their area, because they've had an experience, or they're just, you know, they've watched shows, or they just liked it, so, you know, the way we did back in the day, um, they are finding, oh, wait, the Bridgewater Triangle. And so they share their story, and that becomes kind of a level of the lore, and, and those kind of stories could happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's this layer of um, what I think are really genuine triangle-esque, if you will, if I can coin a phrase tonight, coin a word tonight, um, experiences that defy paranormal situations in other locations. Um, and we can get in, uh, into that a little bit more later. And then there are, because you are, it's kind of like being in a haunted house and knowing something is around the corner. And even though it's not that scary, you freak out because you're totally in the mood to be freaked out. Um, I think a lot of the experiences of the past in the Bridgewater Triangle and the mood set by the Bridgewater Triangle create um, very fertile ground for urban legends um, and for the placing of urban legends into this place, which is, you know, kind of, a, um, um, you know, when I first started, it was it was the Charles Gate Hotel. I've talked about this before. And I was interested in the fact that paranormal things were happening, but because paranormal things were happening, people were more willing to accept what would, in other ways, be a clear urban legend. And yet they totally took it as face value because other paranormal things were happening. So this other stuff has to be true too. So there's also that layer of the triangle going on. But I do also think that uh, we are starting to see, you know, this expansion of the triangle that we talk about on the show and that we've talked about over the years doing this episode is we've said that the reach of the triangle has grown. 
And uh, I'm starting to wonder how much of that is true and how much of it is that we're just, you know, we're expanding the triangle to fit the phenomena rather than the phenomena fitting an expanding triangle. Right. Like when, when, I, when I originally talked um, in Ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle about expanding the triangle, it was based on the concept or the idea of um, Lauren, Lauren Coleman's uh, work being a template. Um, in other words, there were parts of uh, um, Freetown uh, and Fall River um, that were now part of Rhode Island, Tiverton, Rhode Island in particular. Um, but that wasn't held into account. Well, if you're going to end it at Freetown, why not end it in what used to be Freetown? Um, but then also the fact that Coleman was not very big into uh, ghosts. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of his research never touched upon that, so we had to relook at that. Um, after, now, at that point, I called for a kind of reevaluation of where the barriers or where the boundaries of the triangle are. Um, I think, not maybe not directly, but a lot of that has led to um, places that are not really geographically the triangle, kind of fingers stretching out to them, which, uh, which in some ways is fine. I mean, if you want to, if, you know, part of this bigger picture, it's, it's always good to theorize, but some of it I think is just like you're saying. I think that, that uh, it's, the, it's the, um, the, the triangle kind of being like, okay, well, this is a triangle, so yeah, that has to be part of it. So let's include this town that's not necessarily um, connected to it. Now, one of the many things that's reported as part of the triangle phenomena is seeing uh, mysterious creatures. Uh, we're, we're talking like uh, thunderbirds, these these giant man-sized birds, uh, black panther sightings when there shouldn't be black panthers in this area, and a, a variety of different things like that. And I, I, I'm sitting on something that I can't really talk about tonight. Uh, <laughs> but there's been another sighting recently of an animal uh, in this area, right here on the south coast, that does not really belong in this area and so uh, i'll share that with you off the air monies but it's just another example though of how you know this stuff is fresh these aren't stagnant reports from talking, 25 years ago if you're talking big cat stuff i've already had several reports in the local area if that's what you're referring to uh if you if you say what kind of big cat it is i can confirm or deny cougar yes yeah all right so uh yeah <laughs> talk to a couple of Marion cops that have already seen it out in the bogs in Marion too this was in a different town that that uh somebody actually captured a photo of it yeah. but uh it's it's some things that I can't really talk about it, it was a conversation that I overheard in my day job so uh or night job whatever but okay. uh, but I mean there we go we're seeing you know these these animals that I mean a cougar doesn't belong here on the south coast right actually they were indigenous they were hunted out but uh, just like the coyotes and the wild turkeys are making their way back. Mm. Wild turkeys certainly are. Uh, some of these ones that I've been seeing lately, Lauren Coleman could write books about. <laughs> no, they get big out here. Mm. Well, they, of course they get big when nobody bothers to shoot them. Yeah, any animal that you can hunt with a baseball bat, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're only, what are you, only legally allowed to hunt them with, uh, with a bow and arrow or a, or a primitive weapon like a, Correct. Or a musket. Correct. So I'll just hunt them by staring at them. Or a Buick. You want to have some fun? Put a window and put a glass window that reflects in front of a turkey. Uh, hours of amusement. It's kind of like when you put a mirror in front of Moniz. Just keeps him busy for hours. All right, Chris. Well, why don't we uh, start checking in with some of our groups? What do you think? Uh, that sounds great. All right. Well, I think we should probably start off by uh, checking in with our friends at Profile Rock because I don't know how long they're going to be allowed to stay there. So uh, why don't you kind of give everybody kind of a breakdown about Profile Rock and what it's all about? Sure. Uh, Profile Rock is um, kind of, uh, it's thought to be um, the final, 
I guess, meditation spot of King Philip during the King Philip's War. A lot of this uh, this kind of lore around it is, is unconfirmed. Um, but it is said that on the on the night or a few nights before he was um, he was captured, that he basically spent the night on the rock praying, uh, and, and then he was you know ultimately he had already been betrayed um, by one of his uh, by one of his lieutenants, I guess you would say, and that that night he kind of spent on the rock and kind of um, um, I don't want to make it too Jesus like that he was saying you know you know why have you forsaken me or, or take this cup away from me or anything like that, but he was. Um, you know, he was basically a uh, very, very intense moment up there where he was, where he was, he knew he was going to die. He knew that the, this, this war was going to end poorly for his people, and that there was a lot of sorrow. And since then, uh, people have uh, had their own paranormal experiences in addition to, which is a big theme um, in the Bridgewater Triangle, are these, uh, these um, unexplained um, flames uh, and fires um, and a lot of, uh, you know, visible orbs. I want as we can call them, I guess, because we're talking Bridgewater Triangle. Um, and people, people have also seen someone up on the top of the rock praying. Um, they've seen this up during the day and at night. So it's, it's even like a daytime phenomenon. They get up there and then there's no one there. And anyone who's been there knows that, you know, you maybe can go on the other side of it pretty quickly, but it's, it's kind of hard to, to move around quickly in that area. But people are still seeing figures and definitely seeing other kinds of paranormal activity up there. All right, well, we've got uh, Mike Markowitz on the line, so uh, let's check in with him right now. Good evening, Mike. Are you with us? Hey. All right, you are on with uh, with us and Chris Balzano. Hey, how you doing, Chris? How you doing, Tim? Hey, what's going on? We're doing well. How, how's things going out there at Profile Rock? It's really quiet. Uh, we did hear some coyotes, heard some geese, and I think there's acorns dropping all around us, so it's kind of creepy. Now, but, uh, are you the only ones around? Well, I have uh, Jason and Jen with us all together here. Okay, and um, but there's no other people around that you can see, you know, just uh, you know, high school kids or anything like that. No, in fact, the uh, park rangers are out today, and we uh, kind of got relocated to this spot. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't see anybody out here. It's, it's so quiet. Now uh, you you've been out there, I assume, before to investigate. You know, I've never been to Profile Rock. Um, really? Yeah, it's my first time here. What do you think of it? It's it's pretty rocky. <laughs> There's uh, lots of debris around. Um, it looks really cool, though. Uh, you know, the silhouette against the night sky, you can see it because it's a full moon, and it, uh, it does look pretty cool. Um, we're kind of limited on where we can go because there's so much, uh, you know, uh, chunks of stone everywhere and tree branches and all that, so we don't want to get in too deep into the uh, into the site too much, so... We're kind of hanging out next to the opening that's right next to it. Yeah, I was going to say, don't make the mistake of thinking the full moon's enough light to climb to the top of that baby. <laughs> Actually, Jason uh, is up there already. <laughs> he's already up at the top? Yeah. So he's probably got great cell signal. So later on, when we call back, we'll have to check in with him. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, definitely, uh, if, if anything goes on, just give us a call back. Oh, we sure will. All right, we'll check in with you in a bit. Cool. Thanks. All right, so, uh, yeah, we'll be checking in with the investigators during the course of the night, but just a reminder, if you are out there, just feel free to call in if something starts happening. Don't wait for us to call you, 508-996-0500, and anybody out there that's had experiences in the Triangle that want to call in and share them, please feel free to do so uh, on those lines as well, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. 
And uh, we can also check in. Uh, why don't we check in with one of our groups out in the Hockamock Swamp, Chris? And uh, now that's a, a location that is kind of the uh, the origin point, the launching point for the entire Bridgewater Triangle phenomena. It seems like the Hockamock Swamp is at the center of all this stuff. Um, yeah, depending on on the angle that you take, uh, it definitely physically is the um, the center of uh, Coleman's Triangle. And definitely, you know, in terms of what he was documenting is that. I mean, it is the, um, of all the places that we have uh, within the Bridgewater Triangle that are kind of touchstones, that are places that you can go, that are, you know, we have Rehoboth and we have the forest uh, in, state, in, a, in Freetown, and we also have the um, uh, the Hockamock, which is something that, you know, rather than just following up on an investigation or following up on a case that, that's kind of a, a personal place it's the place to go because it's so much stuff has happened there um but that's also one of those places where um there are so many things that happen there that um have an explanation but still kind of fall into what we do um it's a huge vast area um it's, it's largely um unexplored or at least not heavily explored so those things that we don't understand they live there um and they can pretty much while you know you can't confirm necessarily that something is paranormal or supernatural or anything like that, a lot of unexplained things happen there because it should happen there. There is it's an unexplained area itself. Well, we have uh, one of our two groups that are out there in the Hockamock Swamp area tonight. Uh, we have Whaling City Ghosts, who's also out there with Century Paranormal. Uh, Whaling City Ghosts, of course, is out of New Bedford, and Century Paranormal is out of Providence, and we have. Luann Jolie, our author extraordinaire and investigator extraordinaire, joining us out there. Good evening, Luann. How's things going out there? Oh, great. What a beautiful night to investigate the haunted Hockamark Swamp. We, we made sure that we uh, arranged for you to have a full moon so that you could see a little bit better than usual. Oh, that's excellent. You guys got some pole in high places, don't you? Yeah, very high. <laughs> the highest possible, actually. So, uh, it's yourself and and, and Mark and and who else from Whaling City Ghosts? Um, actually, all the girls are down with the stomach bug that I uh. was lucky enough to have early during the week, so I could be here tonight. So it's just Mark Pacheco, Eric Pacheco, Dylan Haro, and a bunch of people from uh, Century Paranormal, and we've actually split up into two groups. And we'll meet back at home base and see how things go. But we we have in the past gotten some pretty interesting EVPs out here. And uh, Mark has been here many times, and he's gotten a lot of really good EVPs. They've gotten some female that seems to be in distress. Luann, what is the nature of the EVPs that you're getting? Are they... Um, Native American, which you seem to kind of you you are the if Mike, uh, if Mike Markowitz is the EVP guy, you are the Native American EVP gal. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, is that the nature of the kind of evidence that you're getting from there? Is it more uh, what we um, might say modern type stuff, or are you getting um, even you know if we can get through EVP evidence, um, are you getting anything that's that's uh, um, more in the nature of unexplained and yet somehow maybe mythical or or, or or supernatural creatures? Um, no, we haven't gotten anything that I was a supernatural creature, like a Bigfoot or anything like that. Um, and it actually seems to be a mixture. You've got modern, um, you've got Wampanoag, and um, we kind of have a feeling that there was probably um, some kind of a crime that possibly occurred here, possibly a body was dumped out here. Um, we think that's the female who's in turmoil. 
and then some mail. And we also have a ghost with a sense of humor out here because um, the last time we were out here, it was freezing cold, February of 2010. And one of the EVPs that we have was actually Boo Luan. Well, it's nice when they can refer to you by name. Yeah, <laughs> oh, they should, well, oh, I think it's like, I don't know who Boo Blue Ann is. Am, am I missing something here? Is this a, okay, you think that Boo Blue Ann. Yeah. Well, actually, it's funny because um, Mark's cousin um, is part of Century Paranormal, and he originally found this spot out here in the Hockamock, and he's got this amazing picture of, like, a little person climbing the tower. And I think I might be losing you. All right, yeah. It's, uh, we'll, we'll definitely check back in with you in the next hour. Okay, sounds right. good. Stay safe. Okay, we will. Bye-bye. You Bye-bye. know, Tim, one of the things that, that Luann was just talking about, that I, I want to kind of get your idea on, is, is this idea that she was getting, like she said, she was getting a, a young woman who was in distress. And it makes me, me wonder whether that person was in that location um, when she was in distress, or it just happens to be something that, because of the nature of the Bridgewater Triangle, things seem to be able to communicate more easily based on, you know, something that, that, uh, that we don't quite understand about what's going on in the Triangle. Right, and, and that's what's so strange about it is, I mean, every time you go out there, it's it's unique. I mean, every time you go out there, as much as you can be someone like Luann and who makes a connection with these spirits, you never know when you knock on that door who's going to be answering right. uh, because it's so... It's so strange out there. There's such a confluence of, of various different phenomena happening that, you know, you might go out there to try to make contact with the same spirit you did on your last investigation, and you might encounter Bigfoot instead. Yeah, and that's, that's why when I was talking about triangle-esque kind of experiences, that's kind of what I was hinting at, these things that, you know, and maybe it's our new kind of narrative way of being able to understand the paranormal based on its media exposure. Um, but you seem to kind of be able to predict things about the paranormal that, you know, normally you wouldn't say you can predict it, but, you know, that you're going to get this, you're going to get this kind of evidence, you're going to go here, do this kind of investigation. Um, triangle-esque experiences always seem to throw you around, uh, some, some kind of a curveball. Well, uh, we are coming up on the end of the first hour, so we're going to have to take a break for the news. Uh, I'm hoping that during the, the course of the break here uh, between us and Chris, we can kind of make contact with our field teams and let them know that we'll be contacting them more in the second hour. And also, uh, Chris, if you if you want to give them a buzz and just let them know, uh, and, and I'll say it here on the radio too, that anybody that's out there, uh, please text us. Uh, text Chris if you have his number uh, or, or go into the chat room on Spooky TV if you have that ability from your phone, like I know Mark does, uh, and let us know if things are going on because Chris can put it up on our Twitter feed. He can put it up on our Facebook page as it's happening so we can kind of incorporate that social aspect media of it. Let's get everybody hashtagging out there. Bridgewater Triangle, SSC. Let's see if we can get it trending worldwide. Do you think we can? It's I think we can. And, and, and I think that anyone who's listening to our podcast, I mean, you can go and you can actually follow some of that evidence that's up there. Um, traditionally, we've tried to put up a whole page of evidence, um, which hasn't necessarily always worked. But, exa- you know, with, with some that we have now, you can probably check out our old tweets and you can actually see some of the stuff that people were doing kind of in real time at the time of the experience. And I'd like to encourage everybody out there. Like I said, we had uh, literally hundreds of thousands of new listeners over the course of the past couple of weeks. Uh, everybody that listens to the show on podcast, do us a favor. Uh, send us an email. Go to our website. Uh, even better, go to our website and uh, hit, hit up our email through the website and let us know 
where you're listening from. I'm trying to compile a big map of, you know, kind of where we're hitting so that we can make sure we talk about some of the paranormal hotspots in all of these areas. Well, here's a thought. Maybe we can, if we know enough people in these other areas, we can do the same thing with them out there. Organize right. groups out in their spots. and Unless, unless you're uh, out in an area where, uh, you know, nobody speaks English because then that wouldn't make a very good show for us. <laughs> But it doesn't mean it wouldn't make a good show in your language, just not in ours. Sounds so, like a good podcast, though, for us. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, definitely you know, go to our website, visit our website, give us that web hit, let us know where you're coming from. Because if you come and you go to the website, we can actually tell what country you're logging in from. So it's an easy way of letting us know uh, where you're from. Also, I just want to let people know about two great events that are coming up. Uh, one is the Rhode Island Comic Con, which Chris and I talked about on last week's show. Uh, that's coming up next Saturday and Sunday at the Rhode Island Convention Center. Uh, so many great stars. Just go to ricomiccon.com to find out who's going to be there. Uh, but there's a variety of people. And then on Monday, November 5th, the Village PTA in Wareham is holding a fundraising basketball game uh, featuring the Harlem Wizards versus a bunch of Wareham players, teachers, coaches, uh, to raise money for the schools. The Wareham Wizards are a trick basketball team. If you go to Harlem Wizards, did I say Wareham Wizards? The Harlem Wizards are a trick basketball team. So go to harlemwizards.com. And uh, you can go to the calendar up there and, and see some of their events, and you can purchase tickets to that event. Uh, I will be there. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing yet, but I'll be doing whatever they tell me to do. And uh, we hope to see you there as well. It's a great night for families. If you live in Wareham, there's no school the next day because of Election Day. They're using the schools for the polls. Uh, so it's a good excuse to get out there for a nice night of family entertainment. So HarlemWizards.com is a website for that. We're going to take a break right now for the network news. Uh, when we come back on the other side, more about the Bridgewater Triangle and checking in with more of our teams out in the Bridgewater Triangle. Stay tuned for all that and more here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does AM 1420. WBSM presents Spooky South Ghosts with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back. Our number two of Spooky South Ghosts, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor, Matt Moniz. One of these days, though, Simon Assassin Matt Costa will return. Cherokee Nation will return. So, uh, but uh, we, we want to thank uh, one of our listeners out there. We asked for people to email us and let us know where they're listening from. And, and you know, let us know all kinds. Of, let us know how you found out about the show, how long you've been listening, favorite episodes, who you hate, who you like. If you want us to shit can Moni's, well, I just said that on the radio. But if you want us to get rid of Moni's, we'll do that. If you want us to, uh, you know, get rid of Chris Balzano, we'll do that. If you want us to get rid of me, too bad. I'm the only one that knows the password, and I have the key to the studio. So we'll make do. If you want to get rid of me, we'll find a way to make do. No, seriously. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us think uh, about what you think of the topics that we talk about. Let us know if there's a topic that you want us to cover that we haven't. And I know one of the ones that we keep getting requests for. Let us know if there's a topic you want us never to cover again. Right. That's true. There's some of those that uh, we, we do hear from people about those. Uh, but uh, w one of the things that people have been asking us for, Chris, uh, again and again, is they've been asking us for a, a voodoo show. And we are working on that, right? Chris, are you there? Oh, yeah. Hi. Okay. Uh, you're out most of the time. I think I just got you back. Just a second. 
I was uh, I was asking uh, if if uh, we're working on a voodoo show anytime in the future because we have a lot of requests for that. Oh, are we? Um, my uh, cousin, um, who has spent the majority of her adult life um, in Africa, um, doing both political and re- and, uh, and and rescue work, um, rebuilding entire villages and 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 organizing government and some crazy stuff, has lived. Um, Pretty much, you know, uh, bag, bag to bag with some people who um, have uh, let, allowed her into kind of the the actual origins of, of a lot of uh, the voodoo culture, at least as it exists in West Africa. And um, she's willing to come on the show, so she's a little flighty sometimes. So I got to confirm with her and make sure that she's willing to come on. And uh, um, but but some of the stuff that she was telling me when I was able to sit down with her for a few hours a few weeks ago uh, will blow your mind away. Excellent. Not not to put you on the spot either, but what are some of the other stories that we have, uh, some of the other subjects and guests that we have coming up on the show? Um, well, God willing, <laughs> Luann will be on next week. Um, we were able to move around um, uh, uh, the, the person whose name, uh, Marie Jones, um, and we were able to kind of move her into another spot. So I'm hoping that we will be able to get um, Luann to come on next week, kind of give up her spot and kind of step into next week. So she'll be on talking about her new book, hopefully. Um, then after that, we have the uh, man who created pretty much the, I guess you could call it the paranormal eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, after eBay, we reported uh, a few months ago, didn't uh, disallowed um, the use of uh, palm reading and, and, and psychic readings and things like that on its site. Uh, this gentleman stepped in and kind of filled that hole and created an entire eBay based on, you know, based on the paranormal and based on psychic readings and things like that, and he'll be on, and then... Marie Jones will be on uh, on the 24th, I believe. Whatever that, whatever date that happens to be, the third one. So we've got a lot of other things kind of coming up as well. And uh, at one point, I did tell Chris not to book November at all uh, <sighs> because I had some things that I wanted to get on the show. But as you can see, the cup runneth over. Well, I know, and, and I'm hoping to kind of work things. I, I I was able to talk with John Brightman, who's out in the field tonight for us, uh, I believe, and and he'll he'll be hopefully coming in and sitting in to talk about his new fictional book. Mm-hmm. Um, which is based in, in, in the Freetown area. So he'll be able to come in. And so, so I think what we're going to have is a lot of shows that are pretty much jam-packed, hopefully people in the studio uh, that are able to contribute while other people are kind of maybe the main guests. Now, I haven't which heard... Is, which is going to make for some really cool opinions because we're going to get some of these experts that we bring in that are local uh, to be able to comment on these other people that are coming in that are maybe more national. I, I haven't heard confirmation from Brightman that he is out there. I sent him a text okay. and I haven't heard back yet. Okay. So okay. I, I don't know I'm if sorry, I'm a little distracted. I, I was I was just text uh, or just message what could be, and I'm gonna have to share it with you. I hate to kind of do this stuff on air, but it's just so exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, which may be one of those insane um, um, ghost pictures that I've ever been sent, and it was sent from a parent of one of my students. So the the hoax factor goes down dramatically uh, based on my interactions that I just have with these people. Um, so uh, I'm sorry if I'm kind of doing all this stuff and tweeting and looking and trying to analyze this picture at the same time. But it's pretty incredible. and probably going to make its way onto the Spooky South Coast site pretty soon. Well, as soon as you have permission, just forward it on to me via text. Yeah, I don't even wait for permission, you know? There you go. That works. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get uh, right back into checking out with uh, some of our teams out in the field. Uh, again, we have... Uh, four different groups out in some different locations in the Bridgewater Triangle, which is the focus of tonight's program. It's our annual Bridgewater Triangle investigation show. And i, I got to tell you, if you are new to the show and you haven't heard our previous episodes, just go back. We do one every year. 
We do them at different times of the year, but if you go back into the archives on SpookySouthCoast.com or on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, you'll be able to access all of the previous Bridgewater Triangle investigation shows, and you'll get the whole backstory of some of these places that we're talking about. Of course, it's, it's very difficult uh, each year to go back and kind of retell the original stories, uh, and at the same time, it's it's for the hardcore listeners, you know what I mean? It's a, They want to get more meat in the stew every year. And so we're trying to do that this year. But one of the things that we are doing is we are kind of taking a step back and we're looking over some of these original tales and legends that come from the Bridgewater Triangle and looking at them for what they really are or what they really could be. And one of those places, Chris, is Rehoboth. There's numerous sites in Rehoboth that are rumored to have these hauntings and and other strange phenomena that take place. And a lot of our Rehoboth ghost reports originated in a book from the 1990s written by Charles Turk Robinson, The New England Ghost Files. And right. we've, we've talked quite a bit about just how accurate the reporting is in that book. I mean, it, it, it's I've never seen it on a store shelf, so I can't tell you how they classify it as fiction or nonfiction. But mm-hmm. uh, it definitely has uh, a bit of a, a storytelling feel to it. Yeah, and, and, you know, I guess from you have to take a step back from uh, the book itself to look at the, the writer uh, in terms of, it would seem, uh, him, his background being uh, in anthropology, his, it would seem that he was more concerned, especially at that time, with um, telling the emotions of what people were experiencing um, and the story behind what people were experiencing than really questioning things that were going on. Um, the book is, while oftentimes it's backed up by um, author's notes and research that he's done on his own, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that a, an investigator would never take this book at face value. Um, but the stories are just so compelling, and oftentimes they're so compelling you have to wonder, like, really? That seems like way too perfect of a package. Like, why right. can't I get, <laughs> get that perfect of a package? And, um, and oftentimes he's tracking down um, things that are kind of, uh, you know, more mythos of paranormal than paranormal. Uh, and so you have to wonder how much uh, either, I'm not saying stories might have been embellished, but stories might have been connected or, or ideas might have been connected based on, you know, what ghosts are supposed to do circa 1994. Well, one of the things that I, I wonder then is if there's a possibility that uh, even one of the stories in that book are embellished and, or or even completely fabricated, then that would mean that there's also the possibility that they all could be. Right. And then that begs the question. And again, I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to crap all over the works of Charles Frederick Robinson here, but you know, it, it's, it's very interesting that he wrote a couple of books that have ghost stories in them. And then we never really heard from him again in that regard. And right. uh, I've, I've spoken to him personally and uh, I've invited him to come on the show and, and hopefully at some point we will have him on the program. Uh, but if it is possible that some of these stories are, um, we'll say creative licensed, right? Then you have to wonder. A lot of these legends and lore that people are investigating and these experiences that they're having could have all come about from a completely fabricated story, right? And we don't know. Um, we don't know where he's coming from, or or what the history of Cover Bridge is, or or things like that. All I know is that you know I was on a TV news show where I talked about um, where I talked about uh, the Hockamock Swamp one. And the next day, I had five calls from publishers in the area um, asking me to uh, ask me to write a book for them. And I'm, you know, at that time, I was already actually just, you know, under contract with Schiffer. So I was like, actually, I'm already writing a book about that. Um, but 
uh, it's hard to think that with the popularity of this book, it would never have been uh, reissued. Uh, there would have been no acceptable offer. There would have been no desire from him to follow it up with, uh, you know, uh, New England Ghost Files 2 uh, or something like that. Yeah, so it, it, it begs the question, and it's horrible because we're, we're, we're taking things that we don't know about and offering, uh, you know, um, offering our opinions on it, but it, it's kind of like, you know, in what we do, this book is so crucial. What if this book isn't what we thought it was? You know, so much of, of, of uh, investigations, and of course not investigation techniques, but places to go, are from this. And, and the interesting part about it, and this is right up your alley, I know from, from doing so many interviews with you now, um, <laughs> you know, what <laughs> what if, if just the power of those stories and the, the storytelling of the book itself was compelling enough um, you know, truthful or untruthful to create some of these things, mm-hmm. um, to create things that are like like thought forms. I mean, I think the redheaded hitchhiker is a great example of, you know, if that story is not true, if if the stories that he uh, communicated in there are embellished or 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 were composites of things that were kind of taken one thing and, and then you put them together, um, you know, that doesn't take away from the fact that in that area for for years since the book, people have not only urban legendized it uh, and come up with these ways to catch the threat to hitchhiker, but people have actually seen a red-headed hitchhiker. Have we invented him? Did we, did we think about him so much that he's there now? Or are we just kind of taking these odd things and allowing them to be the red-headed hitchhiker? It's, just a, it's, a, it's kind of one of those questions that really drives what I do. Well, we're going to check in uh, right now with uh, the Massachusetts Paranormal Research Group. Uh, headed by Bob St. Andre, and they're in the Palmer River burial ground. And, and what's the story with Palmer River? Because that seems to be one of the go-to spots for people to investigate in Rehoboth. Um, it is just a very active cemetery. Um, you know, there are conflicting reports of the things that happen there. I think part of the reason is because Rehoboth is just so jam-packed full of uh, cemeteries that people misidentify where they are. Um, but there's everything from uh, um, being uh, um, small children, uh skipping through the cemetery to a cat call uh, in one corner of it to, uh, to um, some other just like little crazy things. So it's very interesting and it's a very good place to investigate because, and I think uh, they, they were able to get some evidence that we put up on Twitter earlier today, or at least uh, um, you know some pictures. It's a very beautiful and kind of relaxing cemetery. It's a very kind of a, a laid back, not, in, not intimidating, and yet you kind of get an eerie feeling from it kind of place. All right, well, let's check in with Bob St. Andre of the Massachusetts Paranormal Research Group, who is uh, out there at Palmer River right now. Uh, good evening, Bob. How's it going? It's going great out here. We're, we're out here right now. We've got five of us out here. We had six members earlier. Uh, one of our oh, members. You lost one? We lost one, yeah. You yeah, ruined yeah. our perfect track record. We've never lost anybody on one of these shows. <laughs> He, he was roaming around in the woods for a while, too, on the edges of the perimeter. But I, actually, I think he stumbled over a gravestone and he irritated his back a little bit. So he had to check out. He's got a long drive ahead of him, though. He, he's, he's coming all the way from Wareham, so he's heading back that way. Oh, I know that feeling. And uh, I'll tell you, tell him not to pick up any redheaded guys on Route 44 on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, why, don't, why don't you give us uh, kind of the, the names, the first names of the people that are out there with you? We have our founder, Dave Costello. He's here. Uh, we have Shaka. We have Mandy. We have Jason. And we have myself. 
So it uh, it sounds like you guys get everything covered out there. Uh, has anything been going on phenomenal-wise? We haven't had too much activity here. Uh, earlier when we first arrived, we thought we had uh, a possible EVP of some sign. Uh, our founder, Day, was, was, was kind of setting up, uh, and I was running EVP over another area, and uh, he was just basically sitting there, and uh, he was picking up some strange kind of like sighing type noises. Uh, he has to go home, obviously, and throw it on his computer and, and listen to it a little bit better. But uh, other than that, our sensitive, when she first arrived, she, she sent some, uh, some activity in one of the corners. Uh, Mandy's our sensitive. Uh, but since then, it's, it's been kind of quiet here. Uh, otherwise than that. Tapping on the ground, too. Yeah, uh, actually, at one point, uh, Dave was standing by a headstone, uh, and underneath his foot, on the bottom of his foot, he, he got kind of freaked out because he felt kind of like a tapping underneath his foot coming up from the ground. Uh, so he, he kind of like stepped away and was like, that was really weird. <laughs> and everybody kind of looked at him and said, what's up? So, But uh, I ran a K2 at that point uh, right around where he was standing, and there was nothing. Well, uh, one of the things that I find fascinating is how much the equipment has changed since we started doing these shows in 2006. Uh, you mentioned that you're out there recording electronic voice phenomena. Are you using a, a real-time EVP recorder, or are you doing it where you have to kind of record it and then go back and review it? We have digital, yeah. We have to go back and review it. Well, actually, but at one point, uh, he was sitting by, uh, our founder, Dave, was sitting by uh, a tree, and uh, he had just rolled it back and did some listening, and uh, that's when he picked up what he thought was some, some, some sighing. Yeah, Fifteen minutes into the investigation. Is, now, is anybody out there running a, an Android phone? Um, I have a I have an Android phone right now. Yes. All right. Download when when I was say when you get off the phone with us, uh, download the Idiotizer app. Like like you're an idiot, so it's Idiotizer, like that that type of thing. It makes you sound like an idiot. Uh, download that app, and you can actually use it as a real time EVP recorder. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. cool. And, and it's a it's a free download. Just plug in a pair of headphones. It won't work without headphones plugged in, and it basically gives you a two second delay. Uh, on the playback, and it's it, it's legitimate. I mean, I contacted the manufacturers of the app, and they said that what you are hearing back is the buffering recording to the sound card and not coming directly from the microphone. So you are actually giving it the chance to imprint itself on the recording before you hear it back. So And it's free, so it's uh, it's worth giving a try. Yeah, very cool. Thank you. All right, no problem. And, uh, we'll try and check back in with you uh, before the end of the program, but if we don't get a chance to, definitely let us know uh, about all your experiences and, and any evidence that you may get, and we'll talk about it on a future episode of the show. All right, will do. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us. And, and where, where can they go to find out more about Massachusetts Paranormal Research Group? Uh, we're, I have a Facebook presence, and we also have a website. Our website is www.tmprg.com. Excellent. All right, thank you again, guys. All right, thank you. Stay safe out there. All right, will do. Bye bye. So that's that's an important note that I probably should have told people uh, before they went out into the field that that and they may even have idiotizer for uh, Apple too. I'm not sure, but they have the idiotizer and the idiotizer Pro, and I find no difference between the two of them. It's just kind of the the bells and whistles available to you, but it really is. It's a, it's a legitimate real time EVP recorder app that you can use. It's free, and uh, it. I mean, the only problem is you can't really adjust the delay on it like you can with some of these other. Uh, other apps, but uh, we have a call here. Let's uh, go to the phones and see who it is. Uh, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hey, this is uh, Mike from the field. Hey, Mike. What's going on? Oh, we had a, uh, a little paranormal event out there. Really? What happened? Yeah, it was great. Um, well, we were standing around talking about um, uh, communication, 
all these different colors and whatnot. And then in the in the woods, uh, a woman's voice uh, called Jason's name. Wow! And we all we all heard it, and we turned and we looked, and um, there was also some kind of animal in there, um, maybe possibly like a couple of rac- raccoons or something. You could hear them like chirping away and whatnot. But when I played my recorder back. You can you can clearly hear a woman say Jason. But everybody heard it with their own ears at the same time. Yes, and it got picked up on the recorder. And and maybe we should mention too. It's interesting to note that uh, that Jason's not from the area. So it's not yeah, like, w- it's not like somebody that he knows you know is calling him. Well, this is the thing. Um, and I mean, we're all alone out there. I mean, there is n- there's nothing there except rocks and trees. It's just the three of us that's there. I mean, you can you can hear everything going on around you. You know, there's no way somebody could have walked up mm-hmm. and not be heard. So, um, and that's just the thing. Who would be calling his name? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, keep, uh, that was really cool. Uh, keep us abreast of what's going on, and definitely uh, send us that clip. We'll get it up on the website. Yeah, definitely. It was a good one. All right. Thanks, Mike. Stay safe out there. All right. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye. All right, so cool. We're having activity happen, and, and people are calling in. And again, you know, investigators who are out there, feel free to call in if anything's breaking. Well, this area's been very active for a lot of different things. I've gotten a number of different, like, uh, haunting reports. I even had my nephew at one thirty in the morning on Thursday call me uh, with a UFO sighting. Two UFOs seen uh, around the Robinson's area, uh, auto salvage area. Mm-hmm. He was witness to it. He's got a video of it that he's going to uh, share with me. Four other witnesses, uh, and they were all talking about the same thing. So, And I, just to, to play a little bit of devil's advocate and kind of do what you would normally do, asking some of these questions, uh, but have they been able to describe to you the, the light formation or anything like that? Yes, they have. Um, like I said, he, even though my nephew's 22 and is hanging out with his friends, he also had the mother of one of his friends that was there and I, you know, I, talk, I prefer to talk to somebody a little bit older, a little bit more, um, let's call it level headed mm-hmm. or clear headed in this particular case. And, uh, they all described the same thing. It was definitely wasn't star formation. It wasn't an airplane or helicopters because they, they were moving and, uh, they just in a sense blinked out. Cause I just, I, I do know that right where Robertson's is, is in the Logan flight path. Because I drive no, home, it was facing the opposite direction from facing from, out towards from, the water. Because what I do is when I'm driving home, I always see lights in the sky, and I'm like, "What is it? What is it? A uh, plane?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm always a little bit disappointed in that regard. But uh, and and uh, one of the things too that I noticed, Chris, is that you're tweeting out uh, all the stuff that's going on. And uh, just a little bit of a, a technical note that we'll make here on the air is if uh, you go into the Facebook page. And yeah. you actually you actually post them from the Facebook page. They'll show up on both the Facebook and the Twitter at the same time. Okay. So you'll be able to kind of double up on the social media presence there in that regard. So you don't have to do the work twice. No problem. All right. And uh, and and also it allows you to have more than 140 characters because if it goes longer, then the tweet will just refer to the Facebook page for people to to read more or to see a photo or anything like that. Gotcha. All right. It's one of the few things that I actually know about social media. All right, let's check in with our other group. Uh, they're also out there in the Hockamock Swamp, uh, and that would be Mark Colacusis, Dave Francis, Kira Emily, and a bunch of other investigators 
who are out there together, and they're they're out there uh, at that bridge that we had mentioned uh, before. And now I just blank on the name again. Does anybody yeah. remember what it was? Comfort Bridge. Good bridge. Com- Comfort Bridge. Yes. Uh, can you do, do you know anything about that, Moniz? Can you share with us? I, if it's the one I think of, it's I've been there. It's in um, East Bridgewater, if I'm not mistaken. I went there. Uh, couple of years ago with jeff belanger and several other people it's an old rock bridge and it um it dates back a long time ago it goes over one of the little tributary rivers in in east bridgewater uh horses and the sound of a wagon has been heard over the thing if, if i'm not mistaken as far as what uh some of the legend is there's been uh a number of like um, UFO sightings right in that area as well. And and a couple of the uh, Bigfoot cases aren't that far away from it either. So the area that they're in is extremely um, active throughout uh, history in that area for paranormal stuff. So we should, you know, have some pretty good luck. And uh, have you heard reports from out there, Chris? I know nothing about this. I'm so excited. (laughs) All right, well, let's uh, let's get right into it. We'll uh, bring on Mark Colacusis right now, and I think while Mark's even sharing with us, I might even try to call Dave and, and bring him on as well, but uh, let's go right to Mark. Hello, Mark. How are you doing out there? Good. How are you doing, Tim? Uh, I'm doing well. Why don't you kind of explain to people a little bit about the area where you are and the reports that you heard that led to you going out there, and while you're doing that, I'm going to try and get Dave on the phone, too. you Francis? Yeah. Well, he's right next to me. Well, then you guys have to take a few steps apart. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a few steps over. He's going to be calling you, too. Are you fine? I'll put his phone on. Well, if he doesn't have it on, that's fine. We can we can check with him in a little while, then. I okay. just wanted to give you both the opportunity. Uh, yeah, but, leave uh, it off. He's going to call you in a little bit, too. As long as, um, as, long as yeah, you can speak for both of us. The original reports I saw, or I read about, was in that 1916, there was a girl that she drowned. She rented a canoe, went up and down the Nekatessid River, that we're literally standing above, and um, and she drowned within a half hour. They found a canoe, and it was bone dry inside with all her extra clothes were all bone dry, too. So it's not like she dumped the canoe. She just plain disappeared. And then people have heard this old bridge is called the Skim Milk Bridge or the Old Stone Bridge or the Comfort Bridge, depending on who you talk to. And you can see where they brought, like, stagecoaches across it. And people have heard hooves, and they've heard, um, like, the wheels the wooden wheels going over the stone, but we, you know, we haven't seen anything like that or heard any of that yet. But where we are is there's a lot of um, Bigfoot or Hawkamock sightings in the area, and right nearby also there's a lot of uh, UFO sightings. So we we're kind of hoping for a threefer, but uh, so far everything's pretty much eluded us. We've got different K2s going, and um, Dave had his trifield meter going, but it's. Almost uh, 94% humidity here now, and it basically killed it. There's so much moisture inside it. There's really nothing going on with that. So they're all running. Uh, we have about five different voice recorders going on right now, and um, so we'll see if that picks up anything so far. Um, but it's been really, really quiet. Well, not uh, much going on. And, and, and who else is out there? It's it's uh, it's Mark and, and Dave and... And I know that you have Kira Emily out there. and Kira Emily's out here with us. And then there's a couple other people that um, one's investigated a few things. Uh, my friend Rose, she's never done an investigation before, so 
uh, kind of passing the torch to the younger generation, letting her learn it. And um, and there's one of Dave's friends, Scott, also out here with us. So it, it sounds like uh, you've got a full crew out there and you've got all the bases covered. Uh, if any of these variety of phenomena take place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've we, we got night vision going. We've got K2s. We've got tri-fields. And uh, like I said, about five voice recorders. And Kira's a, uh, a psychic medium also. So we're, we're covering all the bases as we can out here. Well, uh, and also, if, if you can get Dave near a Facebook, uh, Chris was talking about this photo that he received uh, from, from the parents of one of his students, and he's posted it on the Spooky South Coast page. I just reposted it on Paranormal Peer Review. Okay. And i got to tell you, Chris, my first instinct is to say it's an app. Yep. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, right, too perfect. And, uh, and so I posted it on the Paranormal Peer Review page because the people who review the photos on that page, they know every ghost and every ghost app available. <laughs> So they'll be able to tell you right away uh, who it is, uh, if if that's the case. So uh, I put it up there. So if, if if Dave gets a chance to take a look at that, I know he's one of those people that, you know, is well acquainted with all the app ghosts. Yeah, I'll, I'll show him as soon as we get off the phone. All right, excellent. And Mark and Dave, if you guys get stuff uh, visually, or even if you just want some establishing stuff, text it through to me, okay? Yeah, no problem, Chris. Yeah, he's posting everything up on Twitter and Facebook uh, during the course of the program, so we can kind of keep people up to date socially social media wise perfect all right thanks mark all right guys I'll all right. Talk to you. if we don't get a chance to check back in with you guys just uh you know we'll let us know anything that you catch and, and we'll put it all up on the website later on talk about it at a later date we'll do thanks sir all right bye it's uh it really it does turn into this uh uh, it, it, it's almost like a race against the clock when we do this show because you've got these teams out there and you, you want to give everybody a chance to kind of keep checking in uh, and see what's going on, but the clock just runs against you. Yeah, it's got, it reminds me of that episode of uh, 30 Odd Minutes, I think when you guys were in the Lucy Borden house. Don't remind me. <laughs> when you guys were kind of running, you know, Jeff was running through the house trying to hit different spots and all within 30 minutes, it, it, it feels like that. We've, we've gone three hours before, but it's, it's hard to do because you know that means that means those teams are are on the field until one, and that means that you guys are there until one. But right. uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, so it's hard to do. But so it's one of those things where it's almost like you know this is this is the behind the scenes, and, and I really want to make a strong evidence page this year too, and uh, and get that information out to people just so they can kind of connect with the show and then be like, oh wait a minute, who was talking about that place? That's where you got right. And I think that that's kind of the the key. We always talk about this as being one of our you know, cornerstone editions of the show every year. And uh, it, it really is. But at the same time, it's also uh, one of the most frustrating, I think, too, for a new listener or for somebody who's not that familiar uh, with the idea of the Bridgewater Triangle because we do have to kind of just jump right into things. Right. And we don't really have the chance to have a lot of background in history. So like, like I said before, you know, you, you definitely want to uh, go back and listen to some of the past episodes, uh, whether it be on iTunes or uh, on the archives at SpookySouthCoast.com. And, and go back and really expose yourself to the entire story of the Bridgewater Triangle. Eventually, we'll, we'll release them all as a, as a CD set, <laughs> if we ever get that ability to start. Yeah. I, I still can't figure out how to put an entire episode on one CD. So. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the case, then. I'm cooking with you with that, you know. All right. Well, but, um, we'll make sense the, and sell them. One of the things he was talking about, but I think that the Bridgewater Triangle, and I wouldn't even go so far as say Massachusetts as a whole is, even though it's a very strong uh, paranormal motif, uh, and, and once again, fertile ground for urban legends and for um, for uh, for what might be a haunting being attached to a paranormal, I mean, to a to an urban legend kind of origin, 
would be uh, bridges. Ain't a lot of haunted bridges in the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, not nearly as many as there should be for the amount of realist bridges that are there. And that's kind of said for, for all of Massachusetts. When, it, when you step out of that, Vermont, for example, seems to be the, the home of the haunted bridge. Um, um, there seems to be a lot more haunted bridge stories coming from other places throughout the country, mm-hmm. but not a lot from the Triangle and not a lot from Massachusetts as a whole. Well, I, I think that the bridge idea, the bridge motif for ghosts is uh, pretty... You know, historically, it, it becomes one of those places that have that haunted reputation. You know, it's it, it represents a crossing from one end to another. Uh, it goes over water, which is a, usually running water, which is probably giving it a, a positive ion charge. So, I mean, I think that bridges are uh, very tied into ghostly lore. And I think the reason why the bridges in Bridgewater might not have those stories is because there's so much of it happening everywhere else. <laughs> it's like... The people who suffer the tragedies that, that are the origins of these stories can't make it to the bridge because they die other horrible ways. It's like one of the questions that people ask about Bridgewater is, you know, they say, you know, where where is there a haunted house in Bridgewater that I can go, you know, drive by? It's like, what house isn't haunted in Bridgewater? Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, that, and, it, it, it's, uh, and like I said, it, in addition to the hauntings, it, it's the stories of... Um, Small unexplained phenomena, like what might be, you know, flashes of light or, or quick glimpses of things like shadow people or, or of other spirits, and yet the emotion of so many of the houses in Bridgewater um, can can change on a dime. Um, you know, and I've documented people who were friends, and all of a sudden they moved to this area together. They lived together in the past, um, and then they just can't get along. And, and neither of them they seem to step outside themselves. And there's something about the house itself that has this kind of dark cloud over it that dissolves the friendship. In addition to these weird kind of, you know, not as you wouldn't necessarily call it a haunting as much as it's haunting experiences. Um, they have them and, and they contribute to it. And that's one of the things, once again, that's kind of a, a, uh, a, a, a aspect of the Bridgewater Triangle. Well, I got Typically of those kind of hauntings from the Triangle. I just want to point out too that the, uh, the jury is already out on the uh, the app photo here, on, on the yeah. ghost photo that you post, posted up. And uh, somebody is confirming that it is from one of the iPhone apps. Ah. So it sounds like you have a, a parent-teacher conference coming up. <laughs> I, I kind of get the feeling that she is testing me. So I'm going to – I don't know whether I should play along at this point just to see how far she's willing to go because this woman has said she has other experiences she wants to tell me about. So I'm not sure if she's trying to gauge my uh, my chops. Uh, as a researcher, or whether she's trying to uh, to um, um, just mess with me overall, and and that's one of the things that we have to be careful of, especially with this triangle show, is we're sending teams out there in the hopes that they gather evidence that they can bring back to us, and that we can put up on the website, and that we can share here on the program, uh, and that's why we usually only send out investigators that we know and trust or that have a good reputation. Uh, there are a lot of times when, like first time investigators, want to go out there and, and investigate too. We're all for that. Uh, but we usually try to pair them up with some people that have been out there. Uh, and one of the other aspects about the Bridgewater Triangle, too, is a lot of these locations are dangerous. You know, we can't right. just send people right. out there for the first time in the dark on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock and say, hey, go to it. Right. Like People ask me about that uh, with the um, with the free time state forest all the time. And I say, there's, there's no need for you to go out there in the, in the, in the dark your first time. Um, people have gotten plenty of evidence and had plenty of experiences during the day. 
check it out during the day, scout where you're going to be, conduct an investigation there. That way, not only do you have uh, something to compare the nighttime investigation to, but you have a little bit of an understanding of the terrain and the area that you're in. And as we had happened tonight, you know, the, the police don't want you in there. Right. So, which, uh, is a new, which is a new thing. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it's always kind of been the case. It's just, you know, usually people get in around them. And I do, I do think that had we, you know, let the authorities know ahead of time that we were going in there and what we were doing, uh, they might have greenlit them. But yeah, usually we do let them know in in past cases when we had uh, more definitive dates. And and I do feel like we need to kind of push that out there for people too. We we don't advocate trespassing. We don't advocate breaking into any places. Uh, there's enough places that if you want to investigate for the paranormal that you can get into as long as you go through the proper channels. Uh, you don't need to, to break into old buildings. You don't need to sneak into the Freetown State Forest. Uh, there's enough opportunities out there to, to get your feet wet and to, to build up your investigative profile without having to break any laws. We, we don't advocate that at all uh, because there have been cases where people have snuck into places they shouldn't be in. And then when they get caught, they say, oh, well, we're here for Spooky South Coast as part of our radio show. So Right. And, and there's a lot of reports of that all throughout the news and, and uh, uh, even people getting hurt by being on private property. And I think last year, was last year the one where, where uh, uh, Luann and some other people tried to um, track down the, the Witch of the Woods um, uh, story and they had a weapon pulled on them because they were on private property of, of, uh, as they were trying to get through the woods to location and I, I can tell you this i just read an interesting thing online uh the other day from a 2005 case uh, at the lad center in rhode island uh in exeter i think it is where uh, some people some kids had broken in and uh, they ended up finding uh, sulfuric acid but they didn't realize that it was sulfuric acid and they tried to take it out with them when they had to go through a a, a tight spot to get out of there and the bottle of acid broke and the mm. kid spilled it all over his leg and uh, they took him to the hospital, which th- the best part of the report is uh, after an emergency stop for cigarettes and to drop a few friends off, they brought him to the hospital. But anyway, long story short, the, these 17-year-old kids who broke into the Lad Center tried to sue the state of Rhode Island for, the, for their medical bills for having taken sulfuric acid out of there. Uh, so it just it goes to show you, like, the, these places take it very seriously when people are trespassing. It's not only for your own safety, but it's also for their liability protection as well. I mean, not that any judge in the world would ever have found for those kids, but they want to make sure that there is no possibility of that. So uh, that's why when you see a no trespassing sign, you must obey it. There. Soapbox Yeah, off. you know, and you know it, it's going to, uh, especially in today's day and age, it's going to block out some places that you were um, that you were traditionally being, being able to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, every time there's a report like that, it, it lessens... Uh, real investigators' um, chances of being able to get into a location like that, because even if it's not in the same place, people always point to that and say, "Well, see how those people got hurt, or see how those." It's like, no, we're trying to do it the right way, don't you see? But it's still, it, it creates a, a very bad argument for, um, for for being able to be allowed into these properties. And the other the other problem that happens is uh, they think that some of these places that we get access to uh, are open for anybody. You know, just because right. we're able to get special access. And that's that's one of the things, like, with the Legend Trips locations, we have to kind of stress to everybody, like, we get permission, we sign contracts, we have liability insurance and waivers and all this kind of stuff. Like, not just anybody can decide that they're going to go break into one of these buildings and investigate. 
and right. the door is right. not open to everyone. So, you know, and it's interesting because, especially if you're looking at something that that has a history, or I mean, if you look at just my Coastal Bridgewater Triangle book, which was written, you know, I think in 2005, and a lot of the research was done prior to that, somewhere between 2000 and 2005 for some of it. Um, places that were open when things are written are not necessarily open now. For right. example, some of them aren't even still around. <laughs> some of those don't even exist. Anymore. I mean, but the grounds of Taunton State Hospital, for example, where you were allowed to go on them, they're not even allowed to go on the grounds, forget into, into the hospital or anything like that without special permission. Um, or, for example, like we we're just saying, Freetown was a lot more open uh, when I was writing about it. And, and so it's always important. Um, uh, Vale End in Wilton, we were allowed there. We, you know, no one said anything. A, a copy even gave us, uh, help us find it. Um, and now you can't even think about going into that place after dark. So it, it, it's always important to kind of do the sort of, your research should also consist of researching whether you're allowed onto these properties or what you need to do to get there. Well, why don't we check in with our other group at the Hockamock Swamp. We've got Whaling City Ghosts and Century Paranormal out there, and uh, we'll see if they've actually had any uh, guns pulled on them <laughs> this year. I, I can imagine that they're probably pretty safe out there because there's not a lot of people that want to go out there and defend the Hockamock Swamp. But I mean, that's an area, too, that's rich for all kinds of types of sightings. Uh, Moniz, what, what's probably the most interesting report that you've ha- heard out of the Hockamock Swamp area, be it Ghost, Bigfoot? Alien, otherwise. Uh, well, I'm partial to UFO stories, and those are probably the most prevalent. Uh, we get tons and tons and tons of UFO reports out of there every every year. And uh, I'll go back 1955. Well, um, 24 was uh, just being utilized and built and what have you. A friend of mine was walking up the road and in in the swamp area, he watched a bet the best he can describe it as as a uf your classic UFO round pie plate type shape lift up out of the uh, swamp, fly over his head, fly down the part of the length of the highway, and then take off. And just as a state police officer pulled up behind him, state police officer. Obviously had to have witnessed this thing, as uh, my friend Ben said, because it left at very low altitude with all of these lights and everything and plain view of everybody on the highway. And uh, the state police officer asked him, do you want a ride? And uh, Ben said, yep, I think I do. Got into the cruiser and the, the cop dropped him off at the next exit. Neither of them said a word to each other, but they both <laughs> know what they had seen. So, All right, well, why don't we go right back out into the Hockamock Swamp. Uh, we'll check in with Luann from Whaling City Ghosts. Uh, all right, Luann, uh, everything going all right out there? Oh, it's going great. Having all kinds of things out here, footsteps, and um, August, one of the co-founders of Century, had something go running right in front of him, <laughs> and whatever it was was invisible. Now, so you, I was going to say we we had a lot of fun uh, investigating Fort Tabor. Uh, oh, we sure did with Sentry, and 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 they're just they're you know, just one of the the many quality groups that are out there that you know they're not really looking for the spotlight, and uh, it's kind of such as yourselves, such as Wailing City Ghosts. You know, you kind of operate under the radar a little bit, and. Uh, but you come out with phenomenal investigations, and it, it sounds like it's a, a perfect team up between the two teams. Yeah, we're having we're having a really good matchup. We're 
splitting the groups up and mixing it up a little bit and hoping that we have some good EVP because we are hearing voices and whispering and sounds like there's a female and a male out here tonight. Hmm. Now, uh, what, one of the things uh, that happens, though, is and we kind of talked a little bit about this on Facebook with, with Dave Francis and Mark earlier in the week, but you're going to have a lot of investigators out there around the Hockamock Swamp, which, of course, is a very big area. But still, maybe the more people that you have out there, and even though you're far enough away from each other that you're not contaminating each other's evidence, but you're putting a lot of uh, energy out into the swamp, and, and that might help increase some of the phenomena. Oh, we're hoping so. We also have that big, bright full moon over us, so we're hoping that'll help a little bit. And then with the weather conditions, I mean, the barometric pressure is going to steadily be dropping as the storm approaches. The humidity is going to get higher, and you know, a lot of people think that having the moisture in the air helps conduct mm-hmm. the energy for the spirits to manifest. Well, for so. one thing, it helps with orb photos. Wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> but uh, and one of the questions that I'll ask you is being a very, uh, I'll say, spiritually attuned person, and uh, and and you definitely have a uh, a soft side with some of these spirits, and you're able to communicate with them, and and, and you feel for them, and you're very empathetic to their plight. Uh, but do you feel that, uh, you know, tonight being so close to Halloween, is the veil kind of a little thinner tonight? Are we kind of touching the other side a little bit more easily? Probably. Um, I think with the combination of that and the solstice is approaching, we have, a, you know, just a lot of conditions right now that I think will help the paranormal activity. Excellent. Well, uh, definitely let us know uh, what you get, and anything that happens, send it our way. We'll we'll put it up on the website, and uh, and I, I guess we're going to be talking to you next week too. All right, sounds like a plan. All right, sounds good. Now we're looking forward to hearing some of the many EVPs that you've collected uh, over the years with your your new book, Dead Whispers, which is coming out next month. It's actually already available. You really can kind of order it now. Nice, very nice. So it must well, be... how about coming on, Luann? How about coming on next week? Because we had an opening. I'd love to get you in uh, kind of off, the, off the, the, the crest of Halloween. We'd love to have you on next week. Excellent. I can do that. All right. We will see you here in the studio. Okay. Sounds right. great. Stay safe and have a great rest of the night. Okay. We sure will. Stay spooky, guys. You too. Good night. <laughs> Good night. That is uh, Luann Jolie, the founder of Whaling City Ghosts. They're out there with Century Paranormal and... See, now that's what's good about doing this show and, and kind of working in this area. And we say this all the time, but where other paranormal groups around the country have the drama, you know, where they all have fighting and one group won't work with another and you stole my location and, you know, I have that evidence first and all that kind of crap. We don't get that here. No, we get a lot of trading. Hey, we got this and check, check this out. And, yeah, there's a lot of swapping back and forth not so much uh you know camping out on this is ours nobody else mm-hmm. can come in here type of thing and and teams are willing to to work with each other and share their experiences share their equipment share their you know knowledge and and uh you know not to keep plugging the legend trips events but we see this firsthand when we bring all these people out to these places we see you know century paranormal working alongside whaling city ghosts working alongside where ghost hunters working alongside uh some of these other groups that were out there and and Chris, you speak to investigators across the country, and uh, I know that you can attest to, you know, it's kind of, it's almost kind of a weird phenomenon to have them get along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm I'm uh, I'm a little more skeptical about the, the nature of New England 
um, people nowadays, but uh, traditionally... Oh, that's because you're a um, trader and you moved to Florida. <laughs> traditionally, um, Massachusetts is a lot more uh, giving of, of its evidence and of, of people getting together and doing things. Although, <coughs> excuse me, as, as the cream is kind of rising from the top, or rising to the top in a lot of these areas now, um, a lot more... Um, a lot more states are kind of feeling that way. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of people are getting out of it. They were just um, looking for fame or looking for other things, and, and people in other states are getting along a little bit more. So it's evening out a little bit, which is good to, which is good to see, but Massachusetts is kind of notorious for it. Well, the, as, as long as, you know, they get along out in the field when they're working for us tonight. That's all that we care about. <laughs> right. You know, we don't, the last thing we want is drama associated with our paranormal investigation of the Bridgewater Triangle, but... Uh, and again, it's 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 important to note, as we said, that uh, a lot of these locations, you know, you, you can't just trespass on. But there is a lot of these hot spots of the Bridgewater Triangle that are open to people. And uh, I know John Brightman conducts some tours of the Freetown State Forest. If you go to the New England Paranormal Research website, you can find out how you can take one of those tours. And there's other other things that are offered. And of course, we keep talking about putting together a legend trip, legend trips event uh, around. Freetown and around some of these Bridgewater Triangle sites that we can fly Chris up for. Uh, but because, uh, Chris, we put out an email this week to uh, our regular Legend Trips attendees, uh, actually to anybody that's attended a Legend Trips event, and we asked for their feedback. And one of the questions was, who would you like to see at some of these events? I'm not kidding you. We've already gotten back a dozen of them that all said we'd like to see Chris Balzano. I'm special. Thank you. Thank you for including me. So uh, you definitely will have to be coming up for one. But, uh, I mean, there's it's such a unique opportunity for people in this area to experience uh, these haunts that are world famous, to experience these right. areas where things are seen, such as ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, puckwudgies, zombies, all kinds of different uh, strange phenomena. And you can't get that in other places in the world. So why not get out there and, and take a day trip? Notice I said day. Take a day trip. Go in the daytime and try and experience some of this for yourself. Uh, and there's even, I mean, there's apps out there now for for the smartphones where you can find some of these locations on GPS. So, yeah, you know, if, if the Bridgewater Triangle didn't exist, we'd have to create it because it, it is kind of like the Disney World of the paranormal. It's like got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's really some place where, um, regardless of what you're into, you're going to find it there, or you're at least going to be able to find stories of it there. And so it's definitely worth uh, worth investigating and researching yourself. And uh, as we come upon the end of the night here, uh, you know, we're trying to talk a little bit more about the big picture of the Bridgewater Triangle. And and uh, as usual, though, it's hard to, to stay on topic because there's things that happen and, and things that change. It's a very fluid show. But, uh, you know, as we go forward, I mean, do you think that as we become more comfortable with sharing ghost stories in the media, are we going to hear more about the Bridgewater Triangle? Or is the idea of there being this... Uh, strange vortex area going to kind of go away as the the phenomena just seems more prevalent everywhere. I think that uh, at least for a while, I think that other places are going to uh, um, take over the <laughs> the formula of the Bridgewater Triangle, um, and they're going to try to kind of take that mold and be like, well, this area has it too, and that area has it too, and that's going to take away a little bit of the shine for the triangle for a while. Um, but the triangle always has a way of kind of <laughs> allowing itself to be reborn and to kind of get back into the focus of people. You have to keep in mind, there was, you know, pretty much 20 years between Coleman's book and, and, and the work that Chris Pittman was doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it has plenty of time. It's got a long view. It, it'll sleep for a bit. 
I think that other places are going to have uh, start to explore this idea and have their own little version of the Bridgewater Triangle, and for a while those are kind of going to overshadow everything. All right, well, if you want to find out more about the Bridgewater Triangle, there's a number of works out there. You can get Mysterious America from Lauren Coleman as a start. You can get uh, Chris's books, Dark Woods, uh, as well as Ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle, and, of course, read uh, all of Chris Pittman's website, uh, which is fascinating. And MassCrossroads.com has a, a bunch of information. And there's so many resources for people to go to that it's it's worth spending a, a few days and really digging into uh, the Bridgewater Triangle. And then, you know, if you decide that you want to get out there and, and go out to an experience for yourself, just make sure you do it in a safe and legal manner. All right, we want to thank our groups that joined us tonight. We have the Massachusetts Paranormal Research Group. Uh, we have uh, Mike Markowitz, Jason Lorifus. They're out there as well. Uh, Wailing City Ghost Century Paranormal. And uh, Mark Colacusis, Dave Francis, Kira Emily, and all the other uh, independent investigators that teamed up out there in the Hockamock. Uh, and as well as all of you, you know, keep sending all your reports to us during the course of the year. Even though we do this show once a year, it doesn't mean that we can only talk about it uh, this one time. We talk about it all year round, and we're always looking for your evidence as well. So uh, next week we'll be back. We'll have our guest Luann Jolly will be back to talk about her new book, Dead Whispers. We'll share some of the EVPs that she's collected from this very area uh, over the course of time, as well as some of her other investigations. And uh, we'll start making the post-Halloween transition where it's like it's almost like, uh, you know, when, when pregnant women get postpartum depression or when uh, people get depressed around the holidays, we get depressed after Halloween because it's like. Our our holiday season is over, but there's still plenty of good paranormal talk to be had. Uh, if you the want to views come... of Tim Weisberg, do not reflect those of WBSM or affiliates. I, I just said a little bit of depression. I wasn't saying that you know you have to worry about us. We're not okay. calling the Samaritans or anything. Uh, but we will say uh, if you want to come and hear me talk about Lizzie Borden and Amityville and what might be connected between them, come and see me Tuesday night at 6 p.m. at the Mattapoisett Library. I'll be there presenting 92 Second Street, the Victorian Amityville Horror, uh, and I'll share some of the best evidence that we've got out of the Lizzie Boyd Bed and Breakfast uh, as well. So uh, until next week, uh, for Chris Balzano, for Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to have a happy Halloween and stay spooktacular. Don't look now, but spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. Helps if I hit the right button. <laughs> Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.